Bring it in. Another weekend of college football is, uh, has gone by. Just like the, the leaves on the trees are starting to turn color. Got, uh, it's got a little, little chilly out this weekend. Sunday morning was bitter cold here. Uh, and that's only a sign that football gets better, gets more tense, gets more enjoyable. But it is, you know, time is fleeting, as is the college football season. Uh, today, it's me and Scotty. Just the two Hello. of us. Hello. No veto today. Uh, I don't know where Vito is. Honestly, he's just a busy man. He's probably doing some some work. He's got some more skyscrapers to put up. He's a busy man. So hopefully we'll get him back for picks on Friday's pod. But it's me and Scotty rocking it down. And Scotty, I'd be remiss, my friend, if we did not open up the show with something that everybody loves to talk about, which is our fantasy league. And, uh, and, and everybody everyone, wants to hear about <laughs> it is the it's the number one topic. I get texts all the time. I, I, we got to talk. I need more about your fantasy team because we all know sports fans love hearing about each other's fantasy teams. No, it's fantasy. <laughs> talking about your fantasy team is like being stock guy. You know, when you're at a party and there's a guy who just talks about, oh, man, you got to get invested here. It's like kind of yeah, turned into baby crypto. day trader. Yeah, it's like turning into crypto guy almost, right? Like everyone's like, oh, like you never want to be that guy. Fantasy guy is that guy. But there is a a special exception here because if you've been listening to the pod long enough, you know, Scotty, Scotty went winless last year. We even had Scott Hansen, you heard it on this pod, roasting our boy for not winning a game. And Scotty gets, he gets invested. He's our commissioner. He does an amazing job. He does weekly recaps, which are hilarious. Does his little... Chris, uh, Chris Berman impersonation. Uh, and it's phenomenal. And he does such a great job for us. And it's turned into a bit because he hadn't won a game since the 2019 season. And week nine, I, week nine of the 2019 season. And uh, after a big O for in our league last year, he comes out this year, starts O and five. And we said, Scotty, hold on, man. I, you got it. There's a win coming. You're putting up a ton of points. And wouldn't you know, week six, after seven over 740 days since his last win, Scotty Miller, the commish, won a game in our fantasy league. Put it in the books. About time. <laughs> it's a long I mean, time did, coming. How did it feel? Going into it was amazing because even going into Sunday night, you refused to believe. Basically, the guy you were playing needed 55 points from Deontay Johnson. And you refute, you said, nope, it's going to happen. He's going to do something. I'm like, Big Ben can't throw a deep. Scotty, it doesn't matter. He's going to do it. They're going to win. Uh, and no, Deontay Johnson did not score 55 <laughs> fantasy points, as we will get Look, into I, on the Sunday night game. But how are you feeling? Huge just, monkey been, off of your back. It's huge. Yeah. I, I posted in the group chat the uh, our, for our league the uh, the old Steve, uh, Steve Young image from 1994 Super Bowl where <laughs> he got the monkey off his back. So it uh, feels good. Um, it was fun just everybody tracking it too, and uh, <laughs> just like, oh my god, this is real. <laughs> oh, I, I think and, more uh, people so. in our league were locked into your game than their own matchups. I yeah, was refreshing I, I, it all I truly day. Believe that. I'm sitting on the oh, couch, <laughs> like checking my 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 game and going to yours and then going back to mine and just going. And I'm like, oh, he's, I, I just had a feeling. And I will say, myself, my brother in law, uh, we we asked you to change your name. Because you were down after week five. 
and we and we started reciting lyrics from Miley Cyrus's The Climb, a musical piece of artwork that should be uh, if music could be a painting, it would be hung in the Louvre. Uh, um, that should and, be top 30 Rolling Stones. Honestly. And uh, then somehow it, tra- it turned into a conversation about stepbrothers and my brain just went instead of prestige worldwide, it was prestige world climb. And we said, if you change your name to that prestige world climb, you will win this week. And right now, prestige worldwide, one and oh, one and oh, and you're oh, yeah. looking forward to winning next week uh, with the new branding, kind of like the Washington football team. But honestly, I think Oof. our name is better. So congrats, buddy. We're stoked for you. Thanks. We do know we have friends of, of the league of our league who listen to the pod. So they're going to love all this uh, back and forth. But aside from fantasy football, there was real football played. And, and look, I'll be honest, not the best week for college or pro football. Uh, we did see a big upset in college. Number two, Iowa going down to Purdue, though Purdue has traditionally been a thorn in the side of Iowa throughout the years. So I was actually at, I was at a bar on Friday night and I was talking to a guy from Iowa, diehard Hawkeyes fan. And he and I were talking and, he, and I said to him, I was like, man, you don't got to worry. I was like, I was like, I think beating Penn State, that was the big win. I think you guys are going to make your way through and you'll be all right. And he goes, no, man, Iowa, I'm nervous about tomorrow. Uh, Purdue. They're a thorn, man. They, they somehow get us every year, every other year. They, they kick us when we, when we least expect it. They take us down. And uh, that's what we saw. Other than that, you know, there's a couple of smaller upsets, but not a whole lot. And the NFL slate, I mean, we saw two, three crazy games, four if you include the Sunday night game. Um, but the, the, they started off great with Jacksonville, Miami, and London. That game was a nail-biter down to the end. And then, like I said, Vikings, Panthers. Like Each window had its own game that was really, really wild. But for the most part, it was a lot of blowouts. Um, and look, that happens, right? It's a long season. We get an extra week, so we'll just consider it, hey, you know, we got Monday night tonight at, at the time of us recording it. Buffalo and Tennessee still yet to play. That could be a really interesting game uh, to follow as well. Before we get into yesterday's games, in the NFL, we're, we're going to go back, time travel a little bit, back to Thursday night football. <laughs> that was actually that was actually really good. Like, not no cap, as the kids say. <laughs> I think that I think I used that correct. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> trends like that. Like, when it comes to those kinds of sayings, I'm I'm basically a 60-year-old man. And, uh, and I like to use them Same. ironically sometimes, but um, I have no idea if that was right or not. Uh, let me know at Twitter, at Jeff underscore Gimple. If that was, In the uh, comments. If that was right, yeah. <laughs> Comment below. Um, but yeah, so Thursday Night Football, Eagles-Bucks. Uh, I did not think the Eagles are going to win the game. I had picked Tampa Bay to cover, and the Eagles did somehow cover at the end of the game. But, I mean, that was just, that was just an ass-whooping. Uh, by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is obviously the better football team. The Eagles came out and looked kind of competitive early on. Um, you know, the offensive line still banged up. Jalen Hurts, man, there's there's some concerning stuff here with Jalen Hurts. And so I was doing a bit of a deep dive with him because I, I, and look, I'm an Eagles fan. So obviously the, how the quarterback plays is something I'm going to be concerned with. And um, I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah, who was a former front office exec and uh, was a scout for many, many years. And you know, he said something really interesting about Jalen Hurts, and, and I had noticed it in watching some of his replay videos and, and whatnot, but Jalen Hurts does not like to stay in the pocket. 
and his tendency to scramble, even when there's a comfortable pocket there is really detrimental to the team. And he's just, he's more and more looking like the guy he was at Oklahoma, the guy he was at, at Alabama, which is one read scramble and hope to try to make something. He's not attacking the middle of the field. Uh, he, he's good for a couple of deep balls a game, but primarily right now, I mean, he is struggling and look, no Lane Johnson. Andre Dillard is a disaster at left tackle. Lane Johnson said he's coming back today. Um, he's been battling. Oh, that's good to hear. He's been yeah. battling depression and uh, anxiety. He came out with today, and so uh, you know he's gone through a lot in his time in Philly. So uh, I'm glad to see him back. I'm glad to see him take that time away to take care of himself. But mm. the Eagles should have a, a almost fully starting lineup. I mean, they're still down Sayamalu for the year. Brandon Brooks should be back hopefully in the next month. Um, but they're at least going to have their two tackles and their guard and their starting center and Jason Kelsey there. And, and we'll see what kind of develops from there. If they kind of jump back to the version of themselves, uh, they were in, in week one beating a, a team in, in Atlanta that, you know, has shown to be somewhat frisky uh, at the very least uh, on the Tampa Bay side here, Tom Brady, look, man, Tom Brady is, is just, he's just that good. I didn't think he would lose to Philly. I think this was a bit of a revenge game for him. And he hits Antonio Brown a bunch in this game. Was it two touchdowns? Thankfully. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Just the one. Two touch. No, no just the one touchdown. But and oh wait, no. No, it was two? two. It was two to him, and then two to yeah. uh, Mike Evans as well. Um. No, that was last week. Friend. No, that was yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that was the Miami game. And this was a Leonard Fournette Antonio Brown show. That's so you can uh, tell I've blocked this game out of my memory. Uh, I was not a happy camper <laughs> that night, but. Tampa Bay continuing to look good, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't have a whole lot left in this game. I'm not going to get super heated about this because I just – the Eagles are, as you said before recorded, the Eagles are who we thought they were. Um, they're going to be frisky. They're going to win a couple games they're not supposed to, but for the most part, when they go up against big boys, they're going to get their ass kicked, and, and that's that's what we've seen. The defense looked a little bit better. I will say that. The yeah, defense actually I, I, did do an okay job. That's what I was going to was gonna hit on is I think the defense, for all the weapons that uh, – that Tampa Bay brings the defense did a really good job of, of holding their own and, and, you know, not staying home in, in many cases and not letting Antonio Brown leak out or Mike Evans leak out deep or, or Chris Godwin beat him over. They, they did do a decent job of stopping Fournette, save for when they were down by the goal line. But um, that team just has so much and to only lose by six, to, to that team, the way that the Eagles defense has been playing, that's hats off to them because they did a really good job um, scheming up the uh, one of the most complicated and difficult offenses to, de to defend in the National Football League. So yeah. kudos to the Eagles defense. The Eagles played the Eagles defense played their ass off. I, I will give them that. Um, and, and I'll say this too, you know, Javon Hardgrave right now is graded as a top two defensive tackle in football, and it's him and Aaron Donald. He's continuing to play really, really well. Darius Slay, I mean, he just took Mike Evans out of this game. I mean, mm -hmm. Mike Evans finished with two catches for 27 yards. And uh, even Chris Godwin only had five catches for 43. And the problem is, is that this, this offense is so good. They're so widespread. They can beat you in so many different ways. And the Eagles did do a decent job. And to go to the offensive line side, you know, going up against that D line is tough. And Jordan Mailata right now, is uh, him and uh, Tyron Smith, the left tackle for 
the Cowboys are the two highest rated tackles in football. So that, that contract that they gave to him is looking like it's going to pay off. He also did that on a short week after missing two games with a sprained knee. So, and switching positions to right tackle. So Andre yeah. Diller could stay at left tackle. So being able to move him back to the left side, bring him back Lane Johnson, there are positives, but at the end of the day right now, we know Tampa Bay is a really good football team, and that's the ultimate takeaway from this game. Uh, yeah, and I, I want to touch on, too, on one thing on the offense, is that was uh, not an, a stellar performance, but he did find the end zone. And and a tip of the cap to Zach Ertz, uh, a lifetime, lifelong Philadelphia Eagle, uh, face of the franchise, one of the, one of the fan favorites that, who got traded the day after the game. So... Uh, a tip of the cap to Zach Ertz. Great tight end in Philadelphia. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I had it written down. I was just about to move on from it. Uh, Zach Ertz is an all-time Eagle, one of my favorite all-time Eagles. They do not win the Super Bowl without him. Obviously, people remember that that touchdown catch to to put them up big uh, when he dove towards the end zone. And uh, everyone's like, did he catch it? Yeah, that one was an absolute catch. He, he caught that ball. Um but look, Zach Ertz, what he means to the city, him and his wife both, uh, Julie Ertz, not to just label her as his wife because she's uh, uh, one of the most accomplished women soccer players that we have in, in American soccer history. Uh, not just women, just accomplished soccer players in American history. So for what everything they've done for the city, um, you know, Zach Ertz retire, leaves Philly as second all-time in receptions. He's just 10 behind. Uh, Mike, uh, Harold Car Harold Carmichael, who is uh, an all-time Eagle as well. And I think it's pretty clear. I mean, a lot of those people are saying, like, he, his number, his name will be in the Eagles' ring of honor. He will be an all-time Eagle forever. And uh, has to be. And yeah. this trade was done, too. Like, what I loved about this is this trade was done before the game. By the reports and kind of how Ertz talked about it as press conference, um, he did one last media availability after he got traded, which is a very rare in pro sports and also very rare in, uh, in the NFL particularly. And this was a trade that was done before. And I think he wanted one last home game in Philly in front of the crowd and he scored a touchdown in his last game, which uh, was, was a cool way to send him off. Um, all right. Sunday yeah. games. So uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars will start with the morning game since that was one of the best games of the day. Jacksonville Jaguars, and this is actually a huge win for the Eagles as well when you consider that now the Miami Dolphins have the second-worst record in football since the Jags have the tiebreak. Uh, Tua comes back, and Tua does not really look good. He played pretty well in the first half, but continuing to make mistakes, continuing to hold on to the ball too long, I just – right now the concern level was already pretty high. It just doubled after what we saw on Sunday morning and shout out to Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence played awesome in this. Yeah. Game. Like really, yeah, really, did. really good. There were some incredible throws that he made and two 50 yard kicks, one to tie and one to go ahead. First time in NFL history that a kicker hit multiple 50 yard field goals to tie and win a game in with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter, I believe is a stat. Yeah. So, well, that, that certainly wasn't happening last week. <laughs> No, no. And those were the and first this, two field goals they made all season. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They hadn't made a field yeah, goal yet all insane. season. And the kicker wasn't even on the roster like two weeks ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
because their first kicker got hurt and yeah, yeah. it's it's been a whole thing but uh <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what i mean trevor lawrence proved a lot and, and to see how much he's grown i mean he came in looked okay you know you saw a couple of flashes he looked in control he obviously has command of that locker room. I think he's the number one leader in that team above Urban Meyer because it's clear that the team does not respond to Urban Meyer. Uh, after yes. the game, get this. Did you see this clip, Scott? After the game, they're in the locker room, and one of the players, one of the defensive players, I'm not sure who it was, uh, called everyone into the hut into like a huddle and had the game ball and gave out the game ball. And Urban Meyer also got his first NFL win. Trevor Lawrence got his first NFL win and they gave the ball to Trevor Lawrence and mentioned nothing about Urban Meyer getting his first career NFL win, which again is very telling about how this locker room looks at Urban Meyer. Good. Um, because guys like that are, are expected. And this is, again, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when all of the, the, you know, all this stuff broke about Urban Meyer. And I read a poignant, uh, quote i think it was from aaron Rodgers saying in college they have to respect you the nfl you're not coach you don't have to be coach like you do in college you can just be urban and guess yeah. what that's that's humbling it's uh it's it, it brings you back down to to earth a little bit because of the power you get in, as a college football coach so um <clears throat> good for good for trevor lawrence for for seizing the opportunity to take control of that uh, locker room uh, when it was in turmoil and they could have easily just folded and been like, great, we're going to go on 16, get another good draft pick and, and, um, or oh, and 17, sorry. And, and go from there. But uh, this team showed a lot of, uh, a lot of fight and that, a lot of stuff putting together. I was really impressed with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence at the line of scrimmage, figuring out the way that the, the uh, Miami defense was scheming up and instead of forcing himself into a bad play, calling out of it and, and letting James Robinson do his thing because he read that there was a, a blitz that was going to get dropped in, in or, uh, or just calling the right play instead of trying to be the hero and, and just great game management from him all around. That was what impressed me most. Uh, and I think if you're a Jaguars fan, that's something to look forward to uh, because that even in a, in a close game and a tight game, and you're not going to win a lot of those games this year, but uh, just those kind of intangible things, intangible things on the football field in game are, are hard to uh, hard to come by uh, particularly for the Jaguars over the last few years. So uh, yeah. that's what I would look forward to as a Jags fan. hundred percent. I mean, the command, everything about it to lead them down two drives, they needed two drives to win the game and Trevor Lawrence was composed and made all the right decisions down the stretch. Uh, it, it says a lot about him because he's already looking comfortable. And on top of it, he's got all of the talent to go with it you know i mean i think at this point he's at least neck and neck with uh mac jones in terms of like how rookie quarterbacks have looked while managing uh, you know nfl games yeah absolutely and look yeah so he, i mean he's, fortunately enough he has like some veteran guys like marvin jones to kind of help alleviate that and james robinson who granted he's only in his second year but you know, just guys a talented player, like someone you help. can, yeah, someone you can lean up against. No, no question, no question. And yeah. look, Miami on the other side, you got questions all over. I know Xavier and Howard didn't make the trip, uh, so they were down their best defensive player. There were moments where you know two was thrown to Jalen Waddle, where you look like, man, you know, there's something there. But 
just costly mistakes, holding on to the ball way too long. And he just doesn't, he still just doesn't look right. And I, I know that's an easy answer to all this, but he just doesn't look right. And, and for his sake, I hope he, uh, I hope he can get healthier and, and, and maybe, you know, kind of turn things around, but for my vet and from what I, my eyes are telling me, I just, it's getting harder and harder to believe that every single week, you know? Uh, yeah. All right. So that was our morning game, which I still loved having. I was actually at work. I had an NFL game going on while I was at work. It was great. Um, you know, sitting in studio, looking up at the TV, just watching, watching a little Sunday football, but the one o'clock window, again, full of a lot of duds, some teams that really, uh, some teams that really brought it and some other teams that really, really did not show up. Um, one game that was not like that, though, was Minnesota and Carolina. This game was wild. I said it, you know, last week about Minnesota, or maybe it was even two weeks ago. You know, they could beat any team in the league. They could lose to any team in the league, and I would not be surprised one way or the other. And Minnesota has not played a normal game this year. You know, there's the the legendary tweet from Kevin Clark that said the Seahawks have literally never played a normal football game. And it's true. But that goes for the Minnesota Vikings this year because the Vikings have been so up and down, so inconsistent. And credit where credit's due, Kirk Cousins had a vintage good Kirk Cousins game, which means next week he'll probably come up a little short. But it feels like he's bailing Mike Zimmer and some other guys out you know, from, from weird coaching decisions. Um, and he's making big throws when he needs to on third and long, uh, you know, just time after time in this game, he, he showed, you know, he led them down two game winning drives, the kick and honestly three, if you consider the other kick that the kicker missed, he missed two kicks that could have put away this game. Both were 50 yarders, but both are kicks that you have to make. He missed both of them and they're playing in Charlotte. So it's not like we're talking about like, you know, tough conditions or anything like it's a turf field. They should have easily both gone in. He pushed both of them to the right. And finally, you know, that game goes down to overtime. Kirk Cousins says, nah, man, I'm taking this myself. And throws an unbelievable pass to KJ Osborne. I don't know where that dude came from, by the way, but he can play. That dude can, yeah. can seriously play. Uh, and it's the rich getting richer, but you look at the weapons on offense and you just go, how are they not scoring 30 plus points every single game? How are they not see, putting up insane numbers offensively? That's what I was saying uh, as I was watching that. And, and I don't understand how, especially because on any given day, you can have Adam Thielen have a uh, hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. Same with Justin Jefferson, same with Dalvin cook. And, and so you have three legit threats to do that. Sometimes they get games where they got two of them doing that. And that's when, where you get those blowouts. But this year, we've not seen two guys go off at once, um, say for, for Kirk Cousins and whatever weapon he's, he's getting involved. Um, so I don't know what's happening. The benefit of that, though, is when you do get in tight games, like in this overtime game, you can scheme an offense, especially on the first drive if you have the ball first, where uh, you know the defense is going to go cover Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and you know the defense is going to try to stop the run with Dalvin Cook, so somebody's got to be open, and K.J. Osborne was good enough to, to get open on, on two clean routes, and, and uh, so that's the benefit um, is uh, you don't have to use your weapons all the time, and they can be used as decoys just as well as they can be used as the, uh, as the main uh, entree. They should, like, Scott, yeah, and, and that's totally fair. Like, you should be, if they're guarding against one, you should be able to have the other, but, how, like, almost piece for piece, 
minus the offensive line not being quite as good, and then obviously Kirk Cousins being a bit of a downgrade compared to Dak, how is this offense, especially from skill position guys, any worse than what Dallas has? Right? No, like I, the wide receiver right. room, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup when he's healthy versus Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and KJ Osborne, which all right, maybe Gallup's a little better than KJ Osborne, probably not a huge gap between the two. Yeah, but I actually honestly, like it's... Adam Thielen and CD and uh, J- Justin Jefferson as, as better yeah. ta- you know, weapons on the outside, at least comparable. And then in Me the too. backfield, I, I like it better. You and have I Zeke. like Dalvin Cook better than Zeke. You got honestly. Zeke and Tony Pollard versus Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. You know, I, and I get it. The big difference is probably along the offensive line. And then obviously Dak is, is much better than Kirk Cousins. But the yes. level Kirk Cousins has been playing at this year, like I just saw a stat today that I forget who the other names were on. I believe it was Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Kirk Cousins. These are the three quarterbacks that in their first 115 starts had over 30,000 passing yards and I want to say 200 passing touchdowns. Wow. Like that's weird company. <laughs> right. And, and, and I get it. Like those guys played in a different era and everything. So we're going to see more guys kind of join that, that class, but it also speaks to like Kirk cousins is still an above average quarterback. You know, he's probably 12th or 11th in the, in the league. If you're going to try to rank them and he's limited in terms of his upside, but Minnesota's offense should be, much more consistent than it is and if they end up being a a 500 ball club this year around that and i said this before the season started i'm not surprised if this is mike zimmer's last year because they have talent they have a decent quarterback they just drafted a young offensive tackle and christian darisau that who should be really good in the next couple of years you know first round pick to be your left tackle of the future there's no reason that this team shouldn't be a borderline Super Bowl contending team with the amount of talent that they have on offense. And the defense has played better this year. Not great, but they've definitely played better this year than they did last year. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And they have a tough stretch coming up too. So that game was huge. They've got, they've got Cowboys next week. Then they're at the Ravens. They're at the chargers. They've got the Packers and at the 49ers in succession. So that's a a tough stretch. Um, So so if you, if you're looking to get the offense going, uh, Good luck. <laughs> I mean, if they come out of that four and seven, even like they win one of those five games, um, that's I mean, the blood in the water for Mike Zimmer will will be there. Uh, on the other side of this game, Carolina, you know, Sam Darnold definitely isn't as fixed as we thought he was, but they're still missing Christian McCaffrey. And his numbers with Christian McCaffrey in there are really, really good. Uh, like top 10 quarterback in the league. Good. But if you're reliant on one of the best skilled players in all of the NFL to be a top 10 quarterback, then you're probably not a top 10 quarterback on your own. Um, that being said, like, you know, if Mahomes didn't have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know what I mean? Like you can go through that with, with pretty much every good quarterback, you know, minus Tom Brady, but Sam Darnold's not lifting the guys around him up. He also got killed with drops. I think there were six drops in this game by Carolina wide receivers. I know Robbie Anderson had three. Um, DJ Moore had a couple. And even still, Sam Darnold made an incredible throw from his own end zone to get them down to score that touchdown uh, at the end of the first half, at the end of the the regulation to send the game into overtime and executed the two-point conversion to send the game into overtime. 
How about this though, Scotty? I, you and I were texting and Vito as well on, on Sunday, back to back weeks that Minnesota gave up a last minute drive down the field to go down or for the other team to tie it when they were up by eight points. With a two-point conversion, too. <laughs> yeah, with the two-point conversion, and both end up working. And if the kicker had just kicked the extra point or kicked the, the field goal and sunk it at the end of regulation, it would have been basically the exact same outcome in back-to-back weeks to win the game. Um, but, alas, you know, that's not what happened. He missed it. And they ended up winning in overtime anyway. Uh, Carolina is not the team that I think we thought they were. My early picks for them being a uh, playoff team. If Christian McCaffrey's in there, I uh, actually probably would believe it. Um, yeah, but credit to Chuba Hubbard though. It. He's he's doing yeah. a good. Job. I think I think they need to turn up the volume and commit to the run a little bit more with Chuba Hubbard because he's shown some signs that he's a really really solid running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean Chuba scores a touchdown. Um, I like Chuba. I love Chuba at Oklahoma State, and he's done a good job. But look, he's he's a backup, right? Like he's he's most importantly he can be serviceable and he can go in and be pretty productive but he's never going to be able to do what Christian McCaffrey does. He's not the receiver out of the backfield, even close to the receiver that Christian McCaffrey is. And uh, what that does to the defense, um, you know, and their offensive line has been really disappointing this year as well. That's an area that they need to improve on uh, in the coming weeks. To be honest, those were really the only two games in that, from the early window on that were, that were close. So we can kind of run through some of these. The one interesting game though, and the one that probably got the most attention because of what the game ceiling touchdown turned into was Green Bay at Chicago and Aaron Rodgers saying, I still own you. I own you. I fucking own you. I've owned you forever. I, and what's amazing is that got like circulated within the next couple hours after the game. But that was one of those moments that I heard it live. Like I heard what he was saying live and I was like, is he saying, I still, I own you. I, I've always owned you. I still own you. I fucking own you. I was like, oh my God, this man Legendary. is a freaking savage. Um, and Green Bay is really good. Green Bay is really, really good. I know this was a 10 point game. I know Chicago hung around there for a while, but there was never a doubt. Like there was just never a doubt in my mind for a second. And the other thing too is like, Divisional game, rivalry game, you know these two teams are going to play each other ch- tough. All the cliches you want to throw out there, but there's truth in them because cliches only exist because of true things that have happened many, many times throughout the course of history. And at the end of the day, Green Bay showed out and won a tight game against a good defense, and their defense stepped up. Um, Justin Fields, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. It's still apparent that he's raw. He's not quite Trey Lance raw, but he is raw, um, missing some things. But what I love about him, and I was listening to Big Cat on part of my take today, who was a Bears fan, and he was saying, you know, there were a couple of plays there where, you know, Justin Fields was keeping his eyes down the field, looking to try to throw throw somebody open when, you know, when he could have just taken it and gotten the yards. And I'm like, I, I get that. Like, I do, and I get when you're trying to win a game. Um, sometimes, sometimes just kind of got to tuck it and run, but I would rather my quarterback have that instinct to always be looking down the field, to be creating, you know, space when he's getting chased on for guys to try to continue to throw the ball than to have the opposite of a guy. Like, you know, when you look at someone like Jalen hurts, who as soon as he kind of gets pushed out though, Jalen doesn't do this all the time, but the instinct is just run right away. 
you know, I'd rather have the guy who's still keeping his eyes down the field. Um, and, and there were some really impressive throws, especially going down there before the that sack that kind of iced the game. You know, there was some some momentum there for Chicago to move down the field to try to put up some points at the end of the game. And, and I feel way better about Justin Fields and his long-term success after seeing the way he played in this spot. And honestly, just over the last three weeks, getting a chance to really run the offense. Yeah. And I, you know, I think he'll get there. Um, all the questions about, uh, about Allen Robinson particularly, and, and most of that receiving core, but Allen Robinson who's in a contract year after he just got franchise tagged. It's like, you know, what does this do for, for the, the chemistry of the wide receiver room and, and, and his chemistry with, with Justin Fields, if, Fields remains the full-time starter for the remainder of the year. And then obviously, of course, what, uh, what it means for his, uh, his upcoming off season. But um, I don't know, I'm still not sold for some reason on this, uh, on this Green Bay defense. And I don't know why uh, they only gave up 14 points, but it's 14 points to a rookie quarterback and an offense that was on their third string running back and, and receivers who have done large, largely nothing productive for most of the year so it just it worries me that 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 game was that tight these are games i feel like you know, we talk about this a lot in college where it's like it's a win's a win right but uh, in college a win's not a win like you need to control the game you need to be dominating games that you need to to win and i feel like this is one of the games that green bay should have dominated and they didn't yeah um they dominated the clock they dominated the uh, you know um the, the game in terms of momentum for the most part, I feel like until the end of the fourth quarter or late in the fourth quarter. But I just, I don't know. There's something about it every year. And, and that, that is just a gut feeling where it's like, are the great way Packers there? And it's like, they're like missing one thing. And I don't, I don't know I mean, what they, it is. They didn't have their, I, they I didn't really... have their best defensive player, uh, Jair Alexander, who's still on IR and will be, yeah. he'll get him back. Um, and I think, to, to win a game like this, despite being down, you know, your best player, that's a, it is a big win. And at the end of the day, I keep saying at the end of the day, cut it off, Jeff. Come on, use your words. Um, you know, I, I just look at this team in Green Bay and Jair Alexander um, and, and their linebacker core and everything. It's not great. It's not great. It's middle of the road. But honestly, middle of the road right now is enough for them to be able to make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl because you have Aaron Rodgers. And I know they gave yeah. up 14 points, one being on the, well, I don't know if it was the opening drive, I think Green Bay or Chicago marches down the field. They punch it in with the yeah, third string running back, clear Herbert, yeah. you know, they, after that, they only scored seven points and they basically shut them down until the fourth quarter when Green Bay went down and scored a touchdown later. I know it's the rookie quarterback and everything, I'm actually not as concerned about Green Bay's defense as I have in the past. And I'll say this too. They got roasted when they drafted Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia. That kid can play. Mm. For a rookie cornerback at his, with his speed, and look, him having elite level speed is a huge perk. But he's playing really, really good football right now. And he makes yeah. a huge difference. You know, like everyone's talking about Georgia's defense now and how dominant they've been in college football. Well, they were still pretty damn good last year, too, and he was their number one cornerback and, and led that secondary. So, again, they got roasted for it, but when Jair Alexander comes back, 
I think teams are going to have a hard time trying to score against them because I think the secondary's too good. David Bakhtiari, you know, him being back is coming back. You know, that's yeah. going to be a huge upgrade on the offensive line. And at the end of the and still you have Aaron Rodgers. You have Aaron Rodgers and he owns Chicago. He owns half of the NFL. He does. <laughs> 22 and, and five against Chicago. That's huge. I'll say this now. He's on the short list for favorite non-Eagles when it comes to football players in my lifetime. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play football. And I, I will never get sick of it. And I'm just really glad yeah, he's not. not to. Even when the Eagles play him, you just you can't even get mad because you just know he can do things with a football that Mahomes can't do right now. Josh Allen can't do right now. He just it, it's experience. And he's a, he's a right now, he still has the arm talent and all the stuff for the younger guys with a brain that operates like Tom Brady. And when you have a guy like that, you're going to be in every single game. And and also, I'll throw this out there too. Chicago Bears fans, man, do they hate Aaron Rodgers. I saw some of the worst and most messed up stuff on Twitter yesterday. I think I've ever seen in my life because Chicago Bears fans, their their brains, their hearts, everything about them had just been broken. I mean, the Jason Goff guy I used to work with at SiriusXM, he does Chicago stuff for the Ringer now. He got a message from this guy who I swear I was like, I I like need to call the police on this man because I seriously think he's going to try to go and actually murder Jason Goff, who does nothing but just cover, you know, Chicago. And I always love the default of Chicago's fans, which is like. Well, he just chokes in every single NFC championship game ever. I'm like, dude, it's a team sport, man. Those, those losses didn't come at the hands of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers isn't out there defending deep throws when he's going out on the other end and scoring touchdowns. And on the other side, if you remember the playoff game against Dallas a couple of years ago, when Aaron Rodgers led back one of the most incredible fourth quarters I've ever seen in my life with one of the most incredible throws, forget who the tight end was. It was one of the random tight ends he had there rolling to his left. Andrew Corliss. Is that who it was? Great. I believe so. Penn Stater. Yeah. And he just, oh, okay. (laughs) And he just slings this thing towards the sideline, rolling to his left. I I was the most incredible. I I was at my ex-girlfriend's house, I think over, uh, over Christmas break or something. And I would, my jaw just like dropped. I was like, oh my God. Unbelievable. Um, So yeah, shout out to Aaron Rodgers. You still own Chicago. You fucking own them. You've owned them your entire life. Fuck yeah. All right. Um, other games here, we can move a little bit quicker. Um, Cincinnati's good. They played Detroit, but I'm still going to say Cincinnati's a good team. Last week was, I think Cincinnati's good. Cincinnati's good. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is so freaking good. We're finally seeing a version of Joe Mixon that's staying healthy. He also looks yeah. like he's bulked up a bunch than he has in years past. He's got a little more power in his game than finesse. Uh, we saw their their... Yeah. New little scat back, Chris Evans, uh, you know, catching touchdown. I think that was his name, right? Mm-hmm. He had the same name as the Marvel guy. Um, had an awesome catch for a touchdown. It's Captain America. <laughs> yeah. And they're not using him in the – they're not using Mixon in the passing game, so they're really just saving him to run between the tackles, and he still has speed. Uh, his his <laughs> touchdown catch and run was really, really impressive. And Auden Tate got involved. Auden, I mean, <laughs> I Auden Tate's their, name. like, fourth wide receiver, and Auden Tate's good. <laughs> no. Like T. Yeah. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah, and then our fourth guy, Auden Tate, is also could be a starter for most NFL teams. <laughs> like, he'd be a number two on at least half of the league right now. Um, yeah. 
they're good, man. And the other thing is, is the defense. I really didn't buy into Cincinnati's defense coming into the year. I thought letting Carl Lawson go to bring in Trey Hendrickson. I'm like, you already had one guy in house. And obviously we don't know what Carl Lawson would have been. He tears his Achilles in training camp, but um, man, they are, they're, they're good football team. And I'll say this too. It feels as though Zach Taylor actually has a pretty good grasp about how to run his team. And that's not something I thought I'd be saying, you know, six weeks into the NFL season. No, absolutely not. Not for a first time head coach. The, the, you want to know how, how good they, the Bengals really are. You're going to get to learn in a few weeks at the Ravens then the Jets, that's a stinker. Then the Browns at the Raiders, Steelers, Chargers, Niners. <clears throat> well, you said you thought they were the best team in the, a- in the AFC North. I do. I still believe that. I just, this is, this is where you're going to learn. Well, we'll find out next week. The resiliency is. We'll find out next week because they're playing the team I want to get to next. Um, but before we leave this game, just poor Matt Campbell, poor Detroit, man. It's on. Un- it's unfair that the Jaguars have a win before the Lions. It really yeah, is. Yeah, just based on the way that the, the Lions have played so competitively and, and so hard, leaving it all out there uh, just about every week. Like uh, the Lions really, could so. be two and four. But like, in all yeah. honesty, and they've come up short a couple of times. Hell, they almost beat the Ravens, who, again, is the team yeah. I want to talk about next. But after seeing what the Ravens did against the Chargers. Oh, man. I, I, that is probably the, you know, I, I, we've talked about doing this segment before about like, hey, I was just completely wrong on this, you know, and now here we are third in Loud the season. <laughs> I was so wrong on them last week. And, I thought, you know, Brandon Staley, they come up. Now, look, the Chargers shot themselves in the foot a couple of times in this game. But Lamar Jackson, I, I the threat. Turns out he, he can throw. <laughs> well, the, I mean, he didn't even have that good of a game throwing. Like, the, the Chargers took away everything he could do throwing the football. He goes 19 to 27 for 160 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. So not a great day throwing. But the threat that he provides running the football. And I talked about this in week one, before week one, when all those running backs went down for them. The threat that he has as a runner and what that does to open up. I mean, Devontae Freeman was out of the league. Latavius Murray had gotten cut from the, the Saints before the season started. Le'Veon Bell didn't have a home until they signed him a couple of weeks ago. And all three of those guys looked pretty good. So the fact, and even still, Tyson Williams has had flashes like Lamar is so dangerous running the football. It really is like having Steph Curry on your team and what it opens up inside the paint and everyone else and other guys getting open shots because Steph Curry is just so lethal from three. He's just such a unique special talent (laughs) that he's turned Devontae Freeman into a good, like a not just good, like a very productive running back again. And same thing with Latavius Murray and same thing with Le'Veon Bell and same thing with Tyson Williams. And to think, oh, man, if J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards or any of these other guys would have been around, is it like, hey, like maybe maybe they would be even better than they are right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. They can beat you any way they want. And the defense, which looked a little shaky to start off the season, uh, they're playing some inspired football right now. And the way that they slowed down the Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert, who was looking like an absolute world beater. I mean, the Chargers had 26 rushing yards. 26 on 12 on 12 carries and 
Yeah, through and the Austin air. Eckler had been up over a hundred yards each of the last three, maybe four weeks, and and they limited him to under or just over fifty total, seven on the ground. I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, they took Mike Williams had that one big catch and then got hurt, which again hurts hurt their offense, no question. But for a team that looked as good as the Chargers looked, you know, going up and and coming into this game, uh, it it was it was very eye opening. Now look. Losses like this happen. There are teams that win Super Bowls who get their doors blown off at some point in the season. And I'd bet any amount of money that if these two play in the playoffs, which is a very real real possibility, this game is going to look a lot different. Uh, and, and Brandon Staley, you know, this was his sixth career game as a head coach after having never, never been a head coach before. This is a learning experience for him. And I don't necessarily feel that much worse about the Chargers. I, I have some current concerns about their running defense. You know, after what they gave up against, you know, well, to be fair, they were playing the number one and number two running offenses in football in, in Cleveland and then uh, Baltimore in back-to-back weeks. But you got to do a little bit better than what they did. They gave up 187 on the ground. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I still buy into the Chargers. I think the Chargers are still one of the top five teams in football. But I think the Ravens are up there, man. I, I, I really think the Ravens are – Super Bowl caliber good this year. And uh, yeah. and we'll see how that turns out. Um, some boring games, uh, Indianapolis versus Houston. Jonathan Taylor, dude, is an absolute monster. I, I was surprised to see every once. <laughs> that 83-yard run was the longest in Colts history. Which, oh, wow. thinking about how, how old the Colts organization is, going back to when they were the Baltimore Colts, the Johnny United States, Edron James, Marshall Falk, Right, you think about all the great running backs they had in recent history, but then also again the going back to to the Johnny Unitas era. The fact that 83 yards is the longest play running play in in history was a bit surprising, especially because Jonathan Taylor didn't even score a touchdown on that play. He got caught from behind, but he was great. And credit where credits due, Carson Wentz, you know, made some big time throws. Uh, having Ty back on the at least for now, he's hurt again, but having Ty back. T.Y. was able to stretch the field a little bit, and it opened stuff up for Mike Pittman. It opened stuff up for Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, yeah. And and they were pretty good. No Allie Cox, and, too. Yeah. And, and Houston, Houston was – Houston just wasn't very good, man. I mean, like Houston's – they're going to be a team that like four times this year, they're going to be in games they're not supposed to be, like the New England game last week. And then every other game, they're going to get their doors blown off. And yep. this was one of to the meme, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Uh, another blowout: the Rams putting it on the New York Giants. Uh, fuck Joe Judge though, because I had the Rams at uh, plus twenty nine and a half in a parlay. Oh, no, and that's a bad beat. That freaking <laughs> garbage time touchdown because Joe Judge is a goddamn hardo and is putting his quarterback, who's definitely still concussed. Like I don't care what anybody oh, says. Daniel, 100%. there's. N- like, there's no way Daniel Jones cleared concussion protocol in a week after the hit he took and after not knowing where he was yeah. in that Dallas game. No shot. And yet Joe Judge is like, yeah, just put him out there. That's fine. And they're responsible. They're, they're getting blown out by 30, and Joe Judge is like, yeah, we're just going to keep going. He's, he looks like, by the way, that his mom still cuts his hair. Like, I think once a week, Joe Judge goes to his parents' house and is like, hey, mom. Take a little, you know, like football guy style. Like, I don't care what my hair looks like. Just cut it. 
I don't like Joe Judge. I think he's a I think he's a bad coach. I think he's a hardo. I think he's trying to be somewhat Belichickian, and I don't think it's working. I think Daniel Jones well, it's hard stinks. To, yeah. Remember when everyone was talking about how good Daniel Jones was because they beat the Saints a couple weeks ago? I do not. Yeah. Because how, I never believe that. <laughs> oh, I know you did, but I just mean like all the people who are like Daniel Jones, like, oh good. Daniel Jones stinks. He stinks, though. To be to be fair, he was concussed in this game. Um Kadarius Tony looked really good on the first drive and then leaves the game for, you know, the rest of it. Um, just a bad, bad game all around. And the other thing, too, is even if even if the Giants just didn't get the two-point conversion there, my bet still would have won. So I am a little salty. But the Giants are a bad football team. The NFC East stinks. And I Again. think – and how about uh, Matt Stafford? Do you see his no-look touchdown pass, the Cooper Yeah, Cup? that was uh... – that was pretty neat. He said, he, neat. said he said, hey, Mahomes, hold my hold my beer. Right. Yeah. Another another thing that the kids say, hold my beer. <laughs> while I while I, yeah, no, I dime this one up, no look to it. There's a great I, shot I, of it too. There's a great like close up of it. Yeah. Stafford's a legit MVP candidate for me. I mean, like that he's gotta be in the in the conversation right now. It's and, funny. And what I think you're Hennison's right, but doing in the he hasn't been brought oh, yeah. up much. He should he should be, but you're right. He, I, I, I haven't really heard his name much thrown around, but he absolutely should be. He should be. Uh, just the way he's doing to, to you know, he's going to be Stafford, and he's going to have a game where he throws two interceptions because he's so aggressive. But that more often than not pays off than it hurts you uh, with Stafford because he's that good of a quarterback. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, the way he's playing, the way he's got the Rams offense playing. Uh, and yeah, I, it's just him between him and, and, and Cooper Cuff. And, and you can have the rest of the, the receivers on that offense because any one of them can explode for a good day. Uh, yeah. But Daryl Henderson Jr. is really, really killing it too in the run game. Oh, I, I absolutely. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. has been awesome. They've been using him out of the backfield as a receiver. He had a great touchdown catch this past yeah. uh, this past week. He also had a, a rushing touchdown. And they, I love, and I mentioned this last week, when we were talking about them, like, I love how they're using it. You know, they're not giving him the ball 30 times a game. You know, he had 21 carries this week, which is the most he's had in a game this season. But it's typically that 15 to 20 carry zone. He's going to finish with 70 to, you know, 80, 70 to 100 yards, somewhere in that ballpark. He's probably going to score a touchdown around the goal line. And at that point, that consistency, uh, it, it's absolutely huge for them. Here's some, here's some Matt Stafford numbers right now. Matt Stafford, fourth in the league in passing yards, number one in the league in average yards per attempt at 9.2. No one else is above <laughs> nine. He's the only quarterback in football right now with an average yards per attempt of over nine. 300 passing yards a game. He's got 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, QBR of 75, which I believe puts him in first. I have to double check. Yep, number one. Number two is Mahomes at 70, and he's at 75. And he's also uh, number three in QB rating. Actually, technically he's number two because the guy who's at number two is Terod Taylor. So, you know, he's only played in two games. So we're we're not going to count Terod Taylor. But right now he's number two behind Russell Wilson. 116.6 116.6 for his quarterback rating on the year. Uh, his completion percentage, 
is not Gray's eighth in that, but he's just about 70%, which, hey, in, in the modern NFL, that might not seem as impressive, but considering his historically, 70% was like the record. You know, when Sam Bradford broke the record with the Eagles, it was at like 71% or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. to be right at that 70% mark and putting up the numbers that he is efficiently and in bulk, yeah, he should be in the MVP conversation, no question. And I think the Rams are, if I was going to pick right now, I think the Rams are the favorite to come out of the NFC. I think them in Tampa Bay. Ugh, great. Another LA team I don't want to care about. <laughs> Um, Chiefs in Washington, uh, crazy that the biggest story from this game was Jackson Mahomes, Patrick's younger brother, who's a TikTok star and a douchebag. Um, I just really don't like the kid was you see this whole thing with Sean Taylor really kind of grinded, grinded my gears a little bit, not to go Peter Griffin on everybody, but it, it really, veto too, yeah. it really bothered me. Because Sean Taylor was one of my favorite players growing up and is one of the most talented players to ever play for Washington, but also one of the most talented players to ever play at that position. No question would have been a Hall of Famer by the end of his career. He was Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed combined. Like He, he was a uniquely special guy. There was talk that there was going to be some sort of ceremony planned uh, back in the summer they said, oh, yeah, this week against the Chiefs are going to be some sort of honorary you know, day for homecoming, basically, for um, our alumni week or whatever they call it for Sean Taylor. And it wasn't until this week that even Sean Taylor's family knew that they were going to be retiring his number. So that's the first thing, which goes, all right, so John Gruden gets fired. Bruce Allen's name gets drug in the mud. The whole investigation gets brought up. Clearly, this is you're using Sean Taylor and this number retiring as a distraction for the rest of, you know, all this other crap that's going around on in your organization. So that alone is enough to, to, I think, upset most football fans, especially anyone who appreciates and remembers watching Sean Taylor and just how dominant of a player that he was. Then you factor in this Jackson Mahomes thing where he goes and does a TikTok on a gated off part of the field that had Sean Taylor's number painted on. And like, flashed an L in one of his stupid little TikTok dances. And this kid is just an absolute douchebag. Modern kid, freaking Gen Z. And I sound like such an old man and I'm okay with it right now because this kid sucks. He's riding off of his brother's coattails. who's actually talented, actually a good guy. I think anyone who's been around Patrick Mahomes and everything that's been reported on him is Mahomes is a legitimately good dude. And this kid is fake famous and is only continuing to be famous because of his brother. And then without having any real comprehension of the significance, because he was probably four when Sean Taylor was playing football, and when Sean Taylor died and was murdered in his own house, this dude's doing a dance on his numbers in a very clearly gated-off area that he definitely should not have been. It's just like, it's just like, come on, man. Like, like have an ounce of class, have an ounce of respect, and maybe he thought, oh, he's just a retired player and I'm going to do it as like a joke. But that's the problem. If you had paid attention during the ceremony, if you, pay, if you used your brain for literally 30 seconds to type in Sean Taylor on, into Google, you would have figured out like the significance of that. And so from start to finish, the fact that they did a guy like Sean Taylor that dirty, especially if you know anything about Sean Taylor's story, where he grew up in Miami, 
you know, getting out of that neighborhood. He was an awesome guy. You know, he was not Same a, as Antonio Brown too, by the way, who ended up homeless. So like, yeah. that's how bad that neighborhood is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it, it just really, it, it grinded my gears. It really, it really bothered me yeah. because I just, and, I love Sean Taylor and that just, yeah, the way, the way Washington did it was really bad too. Like they, like you said, they, they only let his family know within, you know, less than a week of them actually doing it. And then Three there days. was, I, yeah, I saw, um, there's a whole bunch of different stuff that like, they renamed uh, one of the the streets around the stadium around him, but they took a picture of it with his family. Like it was in front of a line of like porta potties, and it was just like, Dude, come on, yeah. like be better at PR. <laughs> like, like I, of course, I say this to the Washington football team who's been like the the, the, the worst. worst at PR in, in the last twenty years. So you know, I anyway, work with I, Washington football team fans, and I talked to some of them today, and they were like legitimate, like people who were like almost like not in tears, but like legitimately upset like really really hurt and and like saddened by this to the point where i'm i've heard i've heard people be like even like pft on part of my take was like i i think i'm done like and and that is what dan snyder did and dan snyder scum that's that's the culture you create though um and that's why your team is is uh crap this year two and four on the football field yeah um, and and Mahomes for for all the faults that he's had over the last two weeks, not just Mahomes, but this whole the whole team, the defense didn't look great again. Um, In the first, they half. looked better. They looked better, but not great. Um, I think honestly, the the run game opens up a lot more with Daryl Henderson than it than it has with uh, with Clyde Edwards-Helaire all year long. Um, Daryl Williams. And, you oh yeah, Darryl sorry. Henderson. What did I say? Daryl Henderson. Yeah, Daryl Williams. Sorry. Daryl Henderson um, on the brain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with Daryl Williams, but you know, I I'm still not sold. I, I I think I think they're a lot like what you call the Vikings. They could be good at any time and bad at any time. Um, and and this offense has proven it for for many many years. Um, but to me, they're just. I think. I think teams are just starting to figure out the little like schemes that are getting drawn up. It's not, and we talk about this a lot with, um, with, with other sports too, is just like when you come up with a, a superstar, that's like changing the game and like has figured out, we talk about this with Lamar Jackson too, um, but is is changing the way the game is played almost. Um, and, 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 it's filled with nuance and, and, and things that people have never seen before. And then all of a sudden this is a professional league. So people yeah. are, are starting to figure them out a little bit. I think. I don't, I don't think teams are figuring out necessarily. I, I think the offensive line has been struggling. Uh, there's been moments where they've played well. There's been moments where they've really, really struggled. Uh, Mahomes is still leading the league in touchdown passes. Right. Uh, the running game not really being consistent at all. You know, remember those first couple of years, like they had Kareem Hunt, you know, like they, they had guys yeah. who, who could run the ball consistently. Edwards E. Lair, even when he's been healthy, has not been the guy that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him where they did. He's just not an every down back. He's not a between the tackles back. Uh, and obviously him being out hurts a little bit, but Daryl Williams came in and played really well. And I, I did by season's end, this team is still going to be a double-digit win team. I know they've had a rough start, but I have full confidence in Andy Reid. I have full confidence in Patrick Mahomes, and I have full confidence in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, both of which were playing hurt yesterday. I think 
the depth is is a big concern. I think McCall Hardman, you know, he's good for a deep ball a few times a year, you know, but Demarcus Robinson, he's not really a guy. And, and for all of the Sammy Watkins jokes that people made, you know, Sammy Watkins, even if he played in 10 games out of 16 a year because he was always, you know, banged up, Sammy Watkins is a pretty good wide receiver when he's on the field. And I think he gave them just a third option to be able to throw to that they're still trying to figure out how to, how to, how to get the ball. I will say, I think teams are, are basically forcing – from a defensive scheme standpoint, teams are basically forcing Mahomes and Andy to play 15 to 20 yards down the field max. They are not getting beat deep. So to your point of I think teams have caught up to them, a little bit. But they basically just said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us one way. And I think there's just a little bit of gamesmanship here where it's like, all right, well, if they're not going to let Tyreek run deep, you know, like the Eagles did, because we saw when the Eagles didn't have help over the top, Tyreek Hill was running mad and, and could easily get behind guys. But when competent defenses and, and good defenses are going up against them, they're just not letting anybody get deep. Not to say, you know, Washington is a competent defense by any means, but we're seeing a lot more shorter throws to guys like Tyreek Hill and letting Tyreek do stuff after the catch. And so, there's a little bit of adjusting that needs to go on. And I think Mahomes, you know, he's gotten a little, he's gotten a little loose with some stuff. You know, I think, I think Mahomes has gotten a little, you know, he's trying to make the superhero throw every single time. And I think he just needs, he's still going to have times where he needs to do that, but he just needs to reel that in a little bit. And I think they're going to be fine. Washington, on the other hand, uh, I think Big Tyler, Hine- the Tyler Hineke, uh experience has, um, has run its course. I think he's going to be a backup that, stays a backup in the league for a long time. And whenever Fitzmagic gets back, we'll see a little bit more Fitzmagic. But I don't think there's going to be a quarterback controversy in Washington anytime soon. Um, yep. I think that's all the games from the 1 o'clock window it is. So let's move on. Yep. We only had three in the 4 o'clock window. Arizona and Cleveland. Arizona's a damn good football team. And Kyler Murray, <laughs> after – some questions about his health looked pretty good. Uh, he's right up there in that MVP conversation as well. Mm-hmm. I will say I saw a lot of people hating on the Browns. They were missing their two best offensive linemen, arguably. Jedrick Wills, the left tackle, and uh, Conklin, who's their right tackle, who might be the best right tackle in football right now. Uh, Nick Chubb was out. The leading, second leading rusher in the NFL going into this week was out. Kareem Hunt was banged up. Thank God, by the way, Kareem Hunt left the game with an injury that I think everybody thought when, when they saw the replay was an Achilles injury. Turns out it's just a, it's a pretty severe calf strain, but he's only expected to miss three weeks. So huge side relief for Browns fans. Baker Mayfield playing just he absolutely hurt. beat up. I yeah. give that dude so much credit. A lot of Cleveland fans don't like are like kind of turning on Baker. And I, and I think it's because – the, the Browns had expectations this year for the first time. And all of a sudden, things aren't going that way. And Cleveland Browns fans are like, no, 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 you can't be bad. No, you have to be good. I can't, I can't go I can't go back there, man. You can't bring me back to a team without a quarter. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're just reverting yeah. back to that. And, and there was some less than positive stuff I saw all week. For whatever reason, I randomly follow a lot of Browns fans on Twitter. So I get a lot of, like, Browns Twitter in my timeline. And yeah, it, there was one, one girl I follow who covers the team who was like, I like Baker. I'm going to support Baker. 
And I don't care what all of you say. I don't care how much you guys hate me for it. And I'm like, wait, do Browns fans not like Baker now? Like it was shocking to me. Um, The Jarvis Landry injury, one of those that just went completely unnoticed. The defense is a little banged up. The Browns are a good football team when they're fully healthy. But I think the Browns might be the most injury-struck team in the NFL this year behind maybe the Giants. And that's hurting them. It's hurting them. And it's changing the perception of how people look at them. But the Cardinals, to their ever-loving credit, man, they balled out. And the defensive line especially played really well. But, again, it was against a really, really banged-up Browns offensive line. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to do anything in the run. I mean, look, the run game for Cleveland has been the, probably the best um, among anyone in the NFL with the two that they've got. They are um, number number one in every going into the week. They were number one in every single category. Yeah, at the top of every category. So uh, when you lose the the front runner there, and then and then in Nick Chubb, and then get uh, Kareem Hunt injured in the middle of the game, that does not help the narrative behind OBJ and and Baker. That does not help Baker's like. I mean, he's playing with one arm. Yeah, because <laughs> this left one is just hanging off of his his side right now he literally Um, has separated his shoulder twice in six games two different times his shoulder has popped out of its socket and he's gone into the tent and they pop it back in anyone who's dislocated anything even your finger you know how much it hurts and dislocating your shoulder from everything i've ever heard is is as painful as any injury any like broken no any of that stuff so yeah and, and to to the detriment of the of the Browns, their their depth is as much an issue as um as a team like Kansas City's who we just talked about is because now you're going from that and Baker, who's a serviceable quarterback and has enough people to throw to and Njoku and and he was quiet last week and Donovan Peoples Jones who had a big week last week and OBJ if they can ever figure that out. You're going from the quarterback who can who who can manipulate that and the two running backs out of the backfield. Uh, to Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson are are your yeah. one-two punch, and it's like, whoa! How far did we fall off the cliff there? Yeah, and <laughs> so, and the OBJ thing, dude, just it just doesn't compute in my brain. Like yeah, I don't know if it's just it the injuries. He's had a lot of like he's had multiple season-ending injuries. He's had two on Cleveland. I I think OBJ just might just may not be the guy we we've seen for all those years. I mean, he's been in the league and wide receivers have a shorter shelf, shorter shelf life than a lot of other position players. But I think the injuries, the ankle, the ACL, everything that he's gone through, I think he's just not the same guy as the guy who used to be able to take those quick slants from Eli and house it for 75 yards. Yeah. And I think if you, I think if you had him in Jarvis, you know, they'd be fine but you know they just even when they've targeted him he's he had a bad drop yesterday a really bad drop at a really crucial moment when they kind of looked like they had momentum coming back and so all of the hate ultimately look when you're the quarterback you get the most praise and you get the most hate it's either you're you're the reason that you won or you're the reason they lost but when you really look at the whole picture here with cleveland uh, i think they're just a broken down team um Arizona on the other side, they're the opposite. And they just got better adding Zach Ertz, having another guy. I mean, 
they have four wide receivers that that you have to worry about, right? D Hop, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. They have two running backs that have both been playing great this year, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. And now you and then obviously Kyler and what Kyler can do with his legs as well. And now you're going to throw in a fifth pass pass catcher that really scares you. Include and then obviously Chase Edmonds out of the backfield as well. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. Their offensive line handled the the pass rush of you know Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett really really well. I think they only got to Kyler twice. Um, man, yeah, Arizona is just they're a good team. I still, I'm still not fully bought in. Like I don't think Cleveland, or I don't think Arizona is this good. The version of Arizona we saw yesterday, I don't think they're that good. Like, I think I, – I do believe this, and I know we saw them play already, but I think the Rams are a better football team than Arizona. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what you saw out of Arizona was on both sides of the ball. In the first half, particularly, their defense got hit in the mouth with that, uh, that Hail Mary, and their offense was not doing a whole lot either. Uh, it was a close game at halftime. It was, what, 23-14? So we were – uh, 24 13, I believe. Yeah. So I look, or 14, it, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no, I think you're right. I think it was 23 14 because they had they, the two the, touchdowns in the Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. And the defense does, it just comes out and, and put pitches a shutout in the second half. That like, Hail Mary I, was I, ridiculous, by the way. It was. So by the, uh, that Baker Mayfield throw, I think it was like 57 point something yards in the air. That was the kind of rocket. Like people don't talk about rocket. like how strong longest, his arm is. Also, longest this throw, was the I worst. I think it was one of the longest throws in the next gen stats era since they've been tracking that. This was the worst the bad area. beat for me for the uh, of the weekend because I had the first half over over under at thirty, or sorry, at thirty and oh. a half. I had it at thirty and a half, and it was <laughs> twenty. It was twenty three to seven, and I had it parlayed with another first half over under. I think it was the the Raiders Broncos and that one had, had hit and, or was going to hit. And this hail Mary comes in and lands and look all in all, I had a great betting weekend, like top to bottom. I'm not going to disclose numbers, but I'd have actually ended up making way more money than I bet. And now I've said it before. I don't bet a lot of money when I bet, I bet a couple, I bet a few bucks and string together some parlays and hope that, you know, it hits and usually I'm good for one or two a weekend that, you know, keeps me right on 500. But I actually ended up with a good betting weekend, but that one hurt. 30 and a half. It's at the, the first half total is at 30 and a freaking Hail Mary comes in. Unbelievable. I need to, I should have <laughs> submitted it to uh, our, our, our friends, close personal friend, Scott, Scott Van Pelt. I should have sent it over to him. Um, all right. The Raiders Broncos game. Another game that I think we, yeah, we all had Denver in this one and we all underestimated the interim coach win, man. So often, whenever there's an interim head coach who comes in after a coach gets fired in the regular season, the team rallies around and wins that first game. Now for the rest of the season, the wheels typically start to fall off by the end of the season. And I think that's probably what we'll end up seeing, but another one that we were wrong about and the Raiders came out. And the defense played really, really well. I mean, this game was ended up being a 10-point game. It was not that close. It was not yeah. that close at all. Two late touchdowns um, by, the, I mean, uh, by the Broncos. It was 30, 31 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. And, yeah. and credit to, you know, the Broncos for fighting back and trying to keep it close. 
uncharacteristic day for Teddy Bridgewater. He turned the ball over four times. So that last one, I'm not really going to hold against him. You know, it's kind of like the one last week, like you have to try, even if the window's tight, like they weren't going to come back and win that game. So at this point, you're just trying to sling the ball. They had a minute left and they would have needed 10 points to tie the game. Um, So you figure go down, score quick, onside kick you know, maybe go for two and then you shot it, you know, it, it just was not likely that they yeah. even really had a realistic shot, especially because I think they had one timeout or no timeouts left at that point. Um, the Broncos, I wish Vito was here because, you know, our bet that we made with him about the, uh, I think it was 11 wins. Is that what we had it at? 11 wins. So I think we're not even going to be close. <laughs> I think, I think you and I are getting a free round of golf, buddy. I think we're getting a free round of golf uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll do a, a read option round. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that was a, uh, that was a rough, one. that was a rough one, but Hey, credit to the Raiders and uh, the, uh, their, their interim head coach who, what's his rich Panacci. Is that his name? Okay. I think it's Panaccia. It's an Italian name. I figured you would have, uh, you would have, I now I got to look it up. I think it's Rich Panaccia. Um, Let's see here. Pistaccia. Pistaccia. All right. I was close. Yes. Close. I had the first name right and uh, almost the rest name, Pistaccia. Rich Pistaccia. Good for him. 38 year vet. Had never coached a game as a head coach in 38 years of being a football coach. First one and oh, one and oh, special teams guy, big special teams guy. Uh, and this leads us to we got two games left here from the NFL week. Um, both these games were, were drunk as hell the Cowboys and the Patriots. And uh, that game ended OT, wild OT touchdown. We had three overtime games, six weeks into the NFL season, and every single week we've had an overtime game. I, I can't ever remember anything like this. I don't know why this is happening. It might just be a random outlier, but we're six weeks in and we've had six overtime games in the NFL. The Cowboys end up on top. I'm not shocked by it. I thought the Cowboys were going to win this game. I ended up picking New England to cover looking back. And I go, why did I do that? Like I, I thought for I, maybe it's just a three and a half at home in New England and you know, coming off the Tom Brady loss, they were going to bounce back, but that didn't end up happening. So our the Houston almost loss, I should say. And then Dallas comes out and New England. I've seen a lot of New England fans be down about this team. Ah, oh, the defense can stop anything. I'm like, the bend don't break mentality on the goal line. Everything they did, I was shocked. New England, New England played really, really well in this game. And Mac Jones delivered one of the best throws of the NFL season on that deep touchdown pass there after Trayvon Diggs, who seventh interception in six weeks, took it to the house. I think that's his second pick six on the year already. Uh, He is well on pace to break that four to, or at least tie that 14 interception record uh, held by a night train lane. As, as our buddy Vito told us about a couple weeks ago, Um, the Cowboys are good, man. Cowboys are a good football team. Yeah. This is a game that you you don't think the Cowboys would win in years past, but the defense did just enough. Um, and, and the Pats, you know, credit to them, man. They they hung in there and, and they stuck it to what I think is the best offense in, in the league right now. And the Cowboys win a huge game in Foxborough. Massive win. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. And you're right. I mean, look, the Cowboys can – 
they have so many so many things that they can do. If if Amari Cooper's not having a good game, CeeDee Lamb is having a good game. CeeDee Lamb's not having a good game, Amari Cooper is. If they're both not, Zeke is. If all three aren't, Tony Pollard is. Uh, so it's like, how do you beat them? And then they do just enough on defense um, to to keep you in games. And then, you know, if if those three, four or five weapons, including Dak, get you get you close enough, you've got one of the top kickers in the NFL and Greg Zerline who can who can knock him through from forty with or or deeper with with the best of them. He did so, miss a he did miss a key field goal in this game though. Yeah, but he made look. He made four which, of them, true. Which, which kept him in the game, and and the one in uh, in overtime as well. So and the one look. that he and uh, Tony Romo actually did a really good job pointing this out on the broadcast. The one that he missed was he was absolutely impacted by uh, the guy coming in off off. I forget the guy's name, but the the wing whoever was coming in from the right side for New England came in mm. pretty much untouched, but. I watched it on the broadcast. You could see, I was like, this looks like it was about to get blocked. And Greg's airline did a good job of, you know, getting the kickoff, but he hooked it all the way. Cause it looked like he was trying to get it kind of out, like away, under, from, the- away from the guy coming in and uh, you know, credits in new England for just having really good special teams. But the Pats also, or the, the Cowboys also blocked the punt in this game though. They, they weren't able to cash it in for a touchdown. Cause that crazy second time this year, that Dak had a seemingly obvious touchdown at the goal line that didn't end up being a touchdown on a QB sneak. Yeah. He had the one against the yeah. Eagles, and then he had the one uh, last night against uh, against New England. But, yeah, Dallas is good. I hate it, but Dallas is good. Yeah. It's all right. Mike, Mike McCarthy will find a way to cough up a game in the playoffs. He just will. It's going to be – no When they got to play – because, like, right now the NFC playoffs are shaping up to be – ridiculous right dallas green bay tampa bay arizona and the Rams. those five teams are all going to be in the playoffs and multiple there's going to be multiple combinations there who are going to have to end up playing each other it is not going to be an easy path to the super bowl and mike mccarthy like how great would it be mike mccarthy and dallas going up against green bay in the nfc championship game in (laughs) green bay Right. And, my, and Mike McCarthy just diarrhea is down his leg. Like that would be perfect for the, the Aaron Rodgers narrative too. Mm-hmm. Like the last dance type thing. And it'd be like yes. full circle coming around to beat Mike McCarthy. And, and Mike McCarthy forgets how many timeouts he has or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's just going to, he's going to throw a challenge flag with no timeouts. And it's going to be that like 15 yard penalty or whatever. You know what I mean? Like takes him out of yeah. field goal range. There's going to be something like that that happens. And Dallas is going to Jalen Rose. (laughs) Yeah, because and this is interesting, too, because Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, he's he's going to get a head coaching job this offseason. So if you're Jerry Jones, do you fire? Do you do you move on from Mike McCarthy and hire uh, Kellen Moore? I mean, something like that would have to happen and and, uh, and, uh, in order for that to to go on. But as much as it hurts to say like this is a Super Bowl year for Dallas. The defense is playing well. You have a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator. You have a Super Bowl winning head coach. You have a quarterback on a mission to prove what a talk about storyline, comeback story for Dak. You have Zeke, who's only going to have probably one or two really elite years left. You got Amari Cooper, who's at his prime right now, an emerging superstar wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. 
like this is the year if Dallas is going to win a Super Bowl. And yeah. nothing would make me happier. And also, again, because Kellen Moore is definitely going to get a head coaching job next year. This is going to be the year that uh, that Dallas just pisses. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch Dallas in the playoffs and lose a big game. It's going to be awesome. Though, they've been in every – I mean, they they should have – they could be 6-0 very easily, which is crazy to think about. Uh, all right, last game, another game that was absolutely drunk. Seattle in Pittsburgh. Seattle was shut out in the first half. It really looked like Pittsburgh's going to run away with this thing. Pittsburgh didn't look great, but the defense was playing really well. And then sure as hell, second half, boom, Seahawks out running, Alex Collins moving the ball, Travis Homer. always love a little Travis Homer action going on. And they forced it all the way down to overtime. And the way that the clock ran out at the end of that game, that whole scenario was fascinating to me. Because I honestly believe this, and Steelers fans are not going to like it. But the refs actually did a really good job. I wish they hadn't had called to see if that was an incomplete pass or not. But, or if he had, yeah, if it was an incomplete pass or not, the one to, to DK Metcalf calf that got, you know, punched out and why DK didn't just step out of bounds, I, I will never understand. But DK tried to pick up a couple extra yards. The guy, the defensive back from Pittsburgh knocks it out. Heads up play from Freddie Swain to jump on the ball, get it back. But if they had just kept rolling with that and not stopped, they got this, the spike off. So I think no matter which way it would have played out, I think the right outcome ended up happening. And at the end, of, I think that's really all you can ask for, right? Like, I don't like when the refs get super involved, but either way, the game clock was at two when he spiked the ball without the referee stopping it. So either he was going to get, they were going to get two seconds there to kick the field goal, or they were going to get uh, three seconds, which I think they ended up getting there after the replay. So I thought they did well, but then ultimately, you know, Pittsburgh, that game, I, I texted you guys this beforehand, you and Vito, because we all know about Vito's tie bet. I texted you guys and I said this, because Vito really wanted the, the overtime, you know, tie to hit between Dallas and New England. And it didn't. And, I, and before Sunday night football kicked off, I said, I don't know, Vito, this game smells like a tie to me. And we were pretty damn close. And if Geno Smith, I, I felt like Geno Smith, after each team had got a possession, I thought the Seahawks were going to bring it down the field at least to like midfield and then get stopped. And there was only going to be like 30 seconds left because neither team could really push the ball downfield. And both defenses were playing really well at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, it was a push in the, uh, in the over under, right. It was 43 mm. and, and they hit that. It was a, no probably hook. one of the first pushes we've had. No hook. No, um, hook. no. Oh, man. And hey, they covered so, for us. We all took Seattle. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I'll take that. Pittsburgh just, was a five-point favorite, so we'll. Yeah, we'll I think take these that. are these are two evenly matched teams, and and that game proved it. I think obviously Pittsburgh's defense is leaps and bounds better than Seattle's at the end of the day, but <laughs> uh, but Seattle's defense rose to the occasion yesterday. I think, and they they did a really good job against again a, a mediocre offense. Najee Harris is just emerging as a superstar, but. They're down Juju Smith-Schuster. They shut down Deontay Johnson for the most part, um, even though he had nine catches. But they 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 did a good job of limiting him. And so Seattle's defense played above the caliber that, that I thought they would be able to play. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense is good, and they were playing a backup quarterback and a terrible offensive line. And and credit to them, I just 
got the job done. That's all you can do. And that's a very Pittsburgh thing that they're all about that blue collar football team. So uh, they, they did what they had to do to get yeah. the job done. But I think it speaks volumes about where Pittsburgh is because Pittsburgh struggled against Geno Smith. And the first half, they looked great. And again, credit to the Seahawks for coming out and really playing hard in that second half. But especially the defense, the defense was awesome in the second half. I mean, the Steelers had those two drives that resulted in touchdowns, and that was about it. And Boswell, the kicker, those two huge kicks in the second half. Yeah. And then obviously the, the overtime winner was 20, what, 25 yard kick or 35 yard kick, dead center, whatever it was. I mean, that was one that if you missed that, I mean, that's an all time choke job. But yeah, the Seahawks right now is currently constructed without Russell Wilson, are a bad football team. And Geno mm-hmm. played decent. Like, I want to yeah. give Geno some credit because the Steelers, but if the Steelers' defense is really as dominant as we thought they are, the Seahawks wouldn't have scored a point. This would have been a shutout all the way. And as someone who was going, I was going up against Pittsburgh's defense in my fantasy league. I was happy to see the Seahawks bounce back there. But I mean, Travis Homer and Alex Collins, the third and fourth string running backs, are running down your throat. Yeah. I mean, against a not great offensive line. I mean, decent. They're a little bit better than they have been in years past. But yeah, not great for uh, for the Steelers. Um, all right, so that's our that's our recap there. To add a little bit from our from our picks from last week, as well as we had noted, there were eight home underdogs. And uh, I was I said to you guys, I was like, hey, when there's home dogs, you know, that's something you might want to bet on. Well, hopefully you didn't listen to me because home underdogs went one in seven against the spread this week. The only team covering was the Eagles on a garbage time touchdown. That meant absolutely nothing marching down the field. Nailed um, it. I nailed yeah, that one. <laughs> way wrong. But uh, for, for us as a, as a team here, we did pretty well. And right now we're all above 500. We all have Buffalo tonight. So Vito's continuing his dominance. Goes nine and four with his NFL picks. You eight. went you went eight and five, and I went seven and six. So if Buffalo covers the five and a half, which is what we had at the time, I think it's moved up to six or six and a half by now. Uh, Vito would be ten and four this week in NFL picks. You'd be nine and five. I'd be eight and six. And then in college football, you went two and three, and Vito and I both went three and two. So we take a quick break. Come back. We're going to get into some of the college football action. Maybe talk, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, MLB playoffs and just a quick little teaser because you know what starts up this week, Scotty? What? Dunk it, yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever see that SNL bit with Jason Sudeikis and Will Ford? It's on. It's one of if you people listening, look up the NBC NBC basketball theme SNL bit on youtube it's one of the funniest things they've ever done that's jason sudeikis and i think will forte i was i'm i watch it like once every like maybe probably once a year when the nba comes back i look it up because it's just so funny but the nba comes back this week so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh maybe just look at some preseason odds here um but as we uh, as we wrap up the show so hang tight we'll be right back after the break Rough weekend in college football as a viewer. Now, I wouldn't say rough, actually. That's probably too harsh because, you know, n- not every weekend is going to be the greatest. But we still saw some some awesome stuff, right? Purdue knocks off Iowa, as we touched on the beginning of the pod. Uh, we saw an all-time performance from a true freshman in Caleb Williams. 
Gonzaga product outside of here in DC. I did go actually when he was in high school, I went and watched him play uh, when he was a, I guess he was a junior at the time. It was fall of 2019. And uh, probably the most incredible, not even probably definitely the most incredible high school athlete I think I've ever seen in person. Um, so that was a big win. Uh, Oklahoma state's defense sparking a huge comeback against Texas uh, they that defense is salty and Oklahoma State is going to seriously put up some uh, some numbers here. I, I think Oklahoma State is a is a dark horse for the college football playoff. I know that sounds crazy, but they have, I think, one of the top, you know, SEC defenses aside, you know, to, and even Big Ten defense as well, taking aside, you know, Penn State and, you know, Iowa and, and Iowa. Alabama <laughs> and, and even Al- Alabama's defense has some weaknesses there, too. And then obviously Georgia at the top. Oklahoma State, I think, is in the mix. I think they're one of the top 10 defenses in college football right now, which is weird to say from a Mike Gundy-led team. But, you know, Bijan Robinson got his. But outside of that, Oklahoma State, especially down the stretch, I mean, their front seven is really good, and their cornerbacks made some big, big-time plays down the stretch to win that game. Uh, Auburn upsets Arkansas, which only looks better and better for your Nittany Lions. That win looking better and better every week. Auburn right now five and two and then two later well I guess three 18 19 and 20 did all go down Utah in way late Pac-12 after Darkland Utah upsetting Arizona State with a big time for Oregon big time second half comeback oh Utah by the way undefeated in conference play so Utah even with the two losses at four and two could definitely hang around and and win the Pac-12 and that would be a nightmare scenario for the Pac-12 if that were to happen. Uh, oh, ba- yes. <laughs> Baylor, who should be a top 25 team at 6-1, and one, handles BYU pretty comfortably. I thought Baylor looked Watch awesome. Out for those Bears sick of. And then LSU and, and Florida going to the wire back and forth, shootout 49-42. to 42. And we'll get into the LSU news uh, because there's some non- well, it's football related, but not necessarily from this game that we need to get to with uh, Coach O and LSU mutually deciding to part ways. Uh, going through this, you know, I mentioned there Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. He looked awesome. He looked really, really good against TCU on Saturday night. Really impressive performance from the kid. Five total touchdowns. He can run. He's kind of a hybrid of Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts. You know, sh- kind of shorter, compact, rocket arm. He can throw the ball. Like Baker, you know, he's kind of similar skill set. He's not quite, you know, like Kyler Murray and how Kyler can kind of just flick the ball, right? But he's built more like Jalen Hurts. I mean, the dude's an athletic freak. He looked awesome. A lot of people are now, you know, Oklahoma being 7-0 and looking kind of shaky. This is the first game all year that they won that wasn't a uh, one-possession game. And so a lot of people were like, is Oklahoma really a college football playoff contender? Now it's like, hey, they found their quarterback. They're going to be able to run the table. As our friend Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend, because to finish out the year, they go at Baylor, home against Iowa State, and at Oklahoma State to finish out the year. All three of those are going to be tough games. And then they're going to have to play either Oklahoma State or Baylor again in the conference championship I said this the other day on radio. I think it was yesterday morning, actually. I think Oklahoma will have two losses by the end of the season because their defense, though it's better, is susceptible against the run. 
Baylor can run the ball pretty well, and they have a very athletic quarterback. Oklahoma State can run the ball. Ty Warren, that dude was a monster in that game against mm-hmm. Texas. And Iowa State, I mean, the last time they played, Iowa State won. So I, I think Iowa – well, I guess in the Big 12 championship, technically, uh, Oklahoma won. But when they played last regular season, Iowa State did pull off the upset. They haven't beat them in two years. I really, really like uh, Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be a star. But coming in midseason, he's going to be hitting a groove. He's got two relatively easy games against Texas Tech and Kansas in the next two weeks, and then a gauntlet to finish out the season. I'm, I like Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is a good team. Their defense is better than we've seen in the past. But I think next year is the year that we talk about them as a national championship threat. Yeah, no, look, if you're recruiting the the way that, that Lincoln Riley is used to recruiting, I, I, I'm, again, and this is the national narrative too, I'm not sold on their defense at all. At, at most of this game against TCU, who's not a very good football team, was 10 points at times closer, um, but but that's kind of where it hovered for the most part until late in the, in the, in the middle of the third quarter, rather. Um, so... I, I, I'm not sold. They, they to me are like, like uh, the Packers of <laughs> what I described as the Packers of uh, of college football, elite offense. I, I mean, like really, really talented. Um, especially with Caleb Williams, the way that he's been uh, performing um, over the season, and then of course the last couple of, or this week uh, making his first start. But this this defense, I, it, it's not going to keep you in games. Um, in that three-game stretch at the end of the year here. Uh, so I don't know. I think I think they're in trouble, and I think this is a team that if they do find their way into the college football playoffs is going to end up playing a team where they get absolutely smacked because if they f- play Georgia at four, if that's the 1-4 matchup, forget it. Yeah. I mean, well, absolutely forget it. I mean, if Oklahoma runs the table, I think they finish the season number two. Because unless unless Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game and doesn't drop a game until then, I think you'll see probably Georgia and Alabama number one and number two. But an undefeated Oklahoma team, especially if Caleb Williams keeps playing like this, you know, I, I, I would I would find it hard pressed. I'd be hard pressed to believe that Oklahoma wouldn't end up with a two seed over a one loss Georgia or a one loss Alabama, that they would have both of them, Alabama, Georgia with one losses ranked ahead of Oklahoma, even though I do agree with you, I think both teams are better than Oklahoma, but I think Oklahoma on a neutral, on a neutral field, I think Oklahoma could beat Alabama. Alabama's defense isn't what we've seen in the past. They're, they're just not. And I think that game would look like a bit of a shootout. Like I think we'd had be well into the forties and I think Caleb Williams, he, he's so impressive. There's a reason he was the number one quarterback recruit coming out of high school you know, for, for this class and to come in as a true freshman on that stage, you know, it was the ABC game of the night, you know, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, calling your game. I was really impressed. And yes, TCU is not a great team, but TCU kept that game close through the first three quarters. And then finally Oklahoma kind of broke it open there at the end with uh, in the third quarter with 21 points. Max Duggan though, was playing on one foot. He basically was playing with like a broken foot and, and continued to play. And Max Duggan is, I mean, that kid is a smart quarterback. Uh, and, and throughout the entire first half, it was, it felt way closer, especially at the early points in the third quarter when TCU goes down and scores a touchdown until Caleb Williams just kind of opened it up. And, and you know, I, again, 
I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer here. It's just everyone's so quick right now to anoint Caleb Williams in Oklahoma as the next, like, oh, this is this is the year for Oklahoma. This team and the defense, despite the fact that they've played better than any Oklahoma team in the past, like this team has the best chance to win a game in the college football playoff. Because remember, Oklahoma still has not won a college football playoff game. They've every year they've been in, they've gotten knocked out in the first in, in the semifinal. This team has the best chance because the defense is better. But a true freshman, it's a tall task to ask this kid, especially when we see down the stretch, he's going to have to play Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and then again, either Baylor or Oklahoma State again in the college football play or in the Big 12 championship game. And then he's going to have to win four hard, hard fought games to close out a season when he's only going to have four total starts under his belt or sorry three total starts and then the end of the Texas game under his belt beforehand. I just, I'm not ready to say that they're there yet, but Caleb Williams is spectacular and I love watching him play and he will absolutely be the number one Heisman favorite next year ahead of even Bryce Young because of what he's allowed. Because Kennedy Brooks, who's a great running back, has not been able to effectively run the football because Spencer Rattler is not a running quarterback. And so now that you have a guy in there who can run, the difference in the since he got into that Texas game and then that, what, I guess, game and a half that he's played so far in the running game, Kenny Brooks had 200 yards rushing against Texas and had, what do you have in this game? Uh, I'm trying to pull up the box score now, but I think he had 150 yards on the ground, 153 yards on the ground in this game. So 350 yards rushing in a game and a half since Caleb Williams got there. And, oh, yeah, Caleb Williams also threw in – nine carries for 66 yards on his own, including a ridiculous 41-yard touchdown run. Yeah, so, so Oklahoma's as good as they've been when it comes to a legit chance to win a playoff game, but it's not happened, not happened this year. A um, couple of things here in college football. Coach O and LSU mutually agreeing to part ways. Um, this has a lot of different layers to it, and I don't want to go into all the details of it, but if people remember uh, – at the end of last football season, there were multiple USA Today articles citing uh, basically, for lack of a better word, malpractice in the LSU athletic department when it comes to players who were accused of domestic violence, who had uh, Title IX issues brought up against them, getting swept under the rug. Uh, no one's talking about it now, but I've been saying, and, and you can go back and listen to podcasts in the past, that on, on this podcast, I have said this multiple times this is going to yeah. catch up to lsu and i said it at the time it's probably going to cost ed orgeron his job now coach o also had a relationship with uh, a woman who was pregnant and also is the wife of a very high up member of lsu's athletic department um take that for what you will you know, those are reports. I'm, I'm just saying they're out there. You can go do the research for yourself. And then you throw in that, hey, LSU has underperformed the last two years. And if they were undefeated the last two years and back in the playoffs since they won the national championship, you know, this conversation is probably not happening. But the fact that they've just been okay and okay enough is like, hey, we're going to get you out the door. We're going to give you your $17 million buyout coach the rest of the season and get out of Dodge before, you know, the heavy duty loss. It hits the fan. Yeah. Cause, cause there is, there is another shoe that's going to drop that has not dropped yet. And when it does, just, LSU is going to be in some trouble. And um, 
it's I'm look, I really liked Coach O and, and that LSU 19 team is always going to have a special place in my heart because even though I'm I'm a de facto LSU fan, I don't really have a power five school that I root for, but if I do, I root for LSU. Um, and I've been that way since I was in high school. So it's not even like the recent success or anything. I just always kind of liked LSU. You know, I, it, it's a bummer because I really liked Coach O. I love Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. That whole team was really special to watch unfold, especially covering the sport. Um, and then everything that happened with the pandemic right afterwards, you know, that team's always going to be significant. But to see it unfold, I mean, what a 21-month run, man. To go from winning a national title to now out less than two years later is – it's something it's unprecedented it's it's beyond unprecedented and i think for something to be that crazy when you think about it like this dude just won you a national title less than two years ago and now you're moving on from him i think it talks about some of the stuff behind the scenes that we just don't know that's coming yet that inevitably will come out yeah and when i first heard it the timing was weird to me right they just came off a big touchdown win at home against a, a top sec team in florida uh, why is it that that the next two days you're coming out with with uh, with this that that Coach O is gonna gonna be leaving? But uh, to your point is I think there's a lot more, um, and we're just at the tip of the iceberg. And so for them to kind of do as right as they can by uh, Coach O uh, is fine by me. But uh, and take that for what you will. I'm not making any commentary on on what uh what has already transpired that we know and uh and what uh is is out there to still yet to be revealed but uh yeah it's just odd unprecedented and uh and i think there's a lot more that we're going to learn um that might uh that might tarnish a lot of uh, a lot of the good that we think that program had yeah and 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 like i said if you if you look at this and say oh that's because of the down year during the pandemic when every other head coach in america got a pass because the pandemic was so bizarre you know like clay helton got a pass you know what i mean like so many so many teams that wanted to fire coaches that wanted to move on from people got a pass because of how bizarre the pandemic was i mean even like james franklin was under fire right and then obviously they come out with a huge hot start this year and they're number what, seven in the polls right now you know, and no one's talking about the 0-5 start last year for Penn State. To say that this is football related, I really do believe is naive. And I have friends and, and people I work it's ignorant with. ignorant at worst. Yeah. yeah. I mean. and, and I have friends and people I work with who are very heavily involved with LSU. And I've heard some things. And then I've heard some coach speak from them, you know, like, Hey, like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to get into that or, Hey, you know, we're not really going to talk about this here, which again, it leads me to believe that there's another shoe that's going to drop and, and when it does, it's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for a lot of people. And um, it's a shame that what was such a, a beloved team and a team that many consider the greatest team in college football history is soon going to be uh, probably looked at in a different way. Um, looking forward to next week though, and we'll get into our predictions and everything for next week. Um, Cincinnati. How about the Bearcats? Number two in the country right now. Shout yeah. out to Cincinnati. That is awesome to see. Uh, they looked fantastic against UCF last week. Uh, but we got some fun games here, including number four, Wednesday night game, Coastal Carolina on the road, undefeated right now after a great season last year. They take on App State. That's going to be a really, Ooh, really fun. So if, you're, 
So again, like I'm only saying this now because you're not going to, you know, by the time we record our next pod, this game's going to happen already. Check that game out. It's going to be a really good football game. Um, but other than that, we have a couple of interesting games, but for the most part, it's kind of a snooze fest. Number eight, Oklahoma State. They're up in the top 10 now. They're going to be on the road in Ames taking on Iowa State. Uh, Oregon, UCLA. That is an interesting game. That's a big one. This is a game Oregon could definitely lose. It's in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl. So we'll see how that one works out. Uh, LSU Ole Miss could be interesting. How about this one? Clemson and Pitt. Pitt's been a really good team. They're finally in the top 25. If it wasn't for a weird game, I think it was against Western Kentucky uh, that they ended up dropping. I might have that wrong. might have been a different team. But uh, if it wasn't for that one loss for Pitt, they would be looked at as a top 15 team, and Kenny Pickett would be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, we have Tennessee and Alabama, Tennessee and Ole Miss. We didn't really get into it much, but, look, you can't throw golf balls and dip spit bottles and mustard cans at a coach. And uh, that was pretty gross behavior from, uh, from the fans there in, uh, in Knoxville. And then yeah. USC, Notre Dame. <laughs> Other years, it's something you might care about, but not this year. So it's a boring week in college football. Georgia's on a bye. Alabama's on a bye. So if, again, I said it last week, but two weeks in a row of mayhem is not always likely. Maybe we see some crazy stuff. Maybe Kansas pulls off the upset against Oklahoma, though I, uh, I doubt it. Um, all right, last couple of things here as we wrap up the pod. MLB playoffs are going on. The Braves back-to-back walk-off home runs against our no, back-to-back walk-offs. Just one. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, back-to-back walk-offs against the Dodgers. Um, Max yes. Scherzer. Oh, Braves. That home run off of Max Scherzer was a – I think it was, what, it was Jock Peterson, right? Yep. Man, that was a shot to tie the game up. And the Braves, again, not to toot my own horn, but our preseason picks, I had the Braves winning the World Series this year. Now, of course, I didn't think that Ronald Acuna would have gotten hurt and all that other stuff. But, uh, yeah, that, that that is turning into what seems to be a one-sided series. But, hey, going back to L.A., maybe the Dodgers find some magic. But on the other side, Boston and Houston, no love lost between that team. Uh, between those teams, I should say, and uh, at a game apiece right now, uh, who is playing in the World Series, Scott? I like uh, I like Boston uh, against Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee, Atlanta. Oh, sorry, Milwaukee. I was thinking <laughs> the Milwaukee Braves. Thinking, so here is here is my logic, right? The Boston Braves were the NL team that in uh, in the early at the turn of the century. They then moved to Milwaukee in 1956, 50, I want to say, 55. Mm. It was right around the time Hank Aaron started. So Milwaukee Braves then moved in the uh, in the 70s, late 60s. No, it had to be. Oh, may, no, I, I've got this wrong. Milwaukee, they moved to Milwaukee earlier, uh, before, before the, the 50s. Uh, then they moved the franchise, the Milwaukee Braves, from Boston to Milwaukee, then in the 50s down to Atlanta. Um, and uh, so that's, that's beat, where I came up with that. Atlanta <laughs> yeah. beat Milwaukee, and so Atlanta's going to just beat all of the past locations. Yes, and in so the year that Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron passed away. Passed away. So. 
There we go. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the Braves also make it. I'm staying true to my, uh, to my pick uh, six months ago or five months ago, whenever we made those picks. I got to go back and, and find that audio so that way I can prove to everybody that I actually did this. And I like Boston too. Uh, you know, call it karma, call it whatever. But, I, you know, this Boston team's got a little bit something special. People thought Boston was going to be terrible this year. And they've been consistent. hot. They've been consistently a pretty good team. They have had a couple of down slopes, but for the most part, they've been a good team. So I, I'm with you. I think Boston versus Atlanta, and uh, I'll save my pick for once we know who's actually in the World Series. But I do think the Braves end up getting there. And I work with a Braves fan who is insufferable. And uh, you know what? Atlanta fans have had a tough run of it, despite the fact that they, you know, destroyed the Sixers and all of the harmony that they had in the playoffs last year, which is a perfect transition to the last thing we're going to talk about here, which is that the NBA returns this week. I know it feels like just yesterday we were talking about the Milwaukee Bucks winning a title. And that's because it really was only a couple of months ago and the shortened season and they delayed the season, everything else. And now we're kind of getting back to a normal NBA schedule tomorrow night, this or, or tonight, by the time you're listening to this Tuesday night, we have Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and Golden State and L.A. headlining uh, a, a great matchup, a great week uh, that we're going to have here in, in NBA basketball. Both of those games should be interesting. Kyrie, still don't know if he's ever going to see the floor this year, uh, at least at home, because of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. I don't know what that does for Brooklyn. I, I, I have no idea. And at this point, Brooklyn is still the betting favorite. Maybe at some point Kyrie decides to get the vaccine. Who knows? Uh, and then Clay Thompson returning did, after. Did, did Kyrie get the vaccine? I did thought they happen? made him. Yeah. Did that happen and I missed it? I, I don't believe, think. Yeah, I think that was late last week. Was I in football mode at that point? Probably. Yeah. I don't think so. As of one hour ago, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver still hopeful that Kyrie Irving will get the vaccine. So, no, he has not gotten the vaccine as of uh, this moment. I was going to say, I was like, I definitely would have seen that. You make, you're making me second-guess myself over here, Scotty. Uh, what I do. So, again, enjoy the basketball all week. There are some good games. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun here as we get ready to to wrap up the pod here to take a look at some of the – NBA Finals odds to win the title for 2022, which 2022 still doesn't sound like a real year to me. I'm going a little John Mulaney on you. Uh, so right now, the betting favorite is the Brooklyn Nets. They are plus 240 odds, which seems crazy to me. That seems yeah. way too low. But I think a lot of bets got placed before this vaccine stuff came out, before we, you know, kind of understood a lot of it, that probably drove it down. Because when you see KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, you think, oh, yeah, they're definitely the best team. And I think they're built to be the best team. But after Brooklyn, we have the Lakers at plus 400, your Golden State Warriors at plus 900, the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat at plus 900. And then it jumps a little bit. We got the Phoenix Suns at plus 1,500, the Jazz at plus 1,600, the Clippers at plus 1,600, which makes no sense without Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard, and then the Sixers at plus 1,600 before things start to get 
really dicey, uh, at least in terms of odds, where you have the Nuggets at plus 2,200, the Heat at plus 2,500, the Mavs at plus 3,000. So I think those are the only realistic teams there at the top. But I think right now my biggest my biggest thought here with this, you know, thinking the season long is, I don't believe in the new Russell Westbrook to the Lakers with Anthony Davis and all those old guys. I think oh, we're going to see yeah, it's looked horrible in the preseason. And I think we're going to see a lot of injuries. I, I really do. And I understand what they're doing, which is that like, Hey, when LeBron and AD need rest, just give it to Russell Westbrook and let him just control everything and do Russell Westbrook stuff. But again, anyone who's listened to this pod in the past knows I'm not a Russell Westbrook guy. I don't believe in him and I never will. Um, and, and I don't know how Russell Westbrook is going to assimilate with LeBron and with Anthony Davis, because you're asking Russell Westbrook, a guy who has never once been a number two and been okay with it to be a number three at best. And then you're going to have Dwight Howard and, and all these, it's just all old guys. They brought back Rondo. I just don't see how this team works, but also, Betting against LeBron. <laughs> LeBron James is a dumb idea. And so well, I we think- said the same thing about like Antonio Brown. Why would Tom Brady want Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski? And look, they're winning the Super Bowls left and right. Yeah, but <laughs> basketball just has some different the egos and stuff are different, right? Like if if Russell Westbrook's gonna bow down to anybody, it's gonna be LeBron. But that's the thing. I don't think Russell Westbrook will bend down to anybody, not even LeBron James. And I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. And, and it might work in the regular season when they need him to fill up minutes. But, I mean, LeBron's, LeBron's not young. This is season, what, 2021? 20, or 20? What did he get dropped? 2003. No. So he got dropped. This is season 18 for LeBron. I, I mean, he had back-to-back seasons with not great injuries. Uh, three, if you want to go back to the the groin injury and stuff, but I yeah. think that year was a throwaway because they just they knew they wanted to try to get AD. Um, Golden State, Golden State's a really interesting team. Steph Curry, he's getting up there in age, but he's still absolutely, I think, at, still at the tail end of his prime. The big question with them is Clay Thompson coming back. What does he look like after tearing an Achilles and then tearing an ACL, you know, and rehabbing both? Uh, it's been two years. It's been since the 20, what, 2019 NBA finals. So it's yeah. been, yeah, I mean, it's been two and a half years since we've seen Clay Thompson on an NBA court for a regular season game, a game that counts. He's not going to be the defender that he was, but he should still be able to catch and shoot all right. So I still think there's some hope there that Clay Thompson will, will be a value, but Draymond's not the same guy he was, even though he did have a much better season last year. And then does James Wiseman take a step up? Does that number one or number two overall, was he? No, he was. He was number one, right? Drive that backwards. He was the <clears throat> he was the third overall pick. Third overall, or number two overall pick. One of the things. He was number two, right? Yeah, he was. No, he was number two. Um, Anthony Edwards was number one, but James Wiseman was number two overall pick, and he looked really good at moments last year, and then other moments where it was like deer in headlights. So, what kind of improvement do they make? I think they make a big trade at some point in the season. I don't think it's for Ben Simmons, but I think it's for somebody. And you know. Andrew Wiggins, I mean, they have some role guys there, but this, if Golden State well, wins this, it's got to be like the 2015, 2016 team that did it with Harrison Barnes and Clay and Draymond and Steph. Yeah. That, that's kind of how this mold is. The good news is that they're deeper this year than they have been in the, in the two years since they've, they've uh, 
you know, not been in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> Jordan Poole had an, uh, had an amazing year as, as the backup. Same with Damian Lee to, to Steph Curry. And both of those guys can play both guard spots. They got Iguodala back, uh, who's going to be kind of grooming Moses Moody, him and Andrew Wiggins both. Uh, Moses Moody, the, uh, the second of our first-round draft picks uh, this year. And they still got Otto Porter Jr. Um, Kaminga is going to be in and out uh, with injuries. He's not going to start this season, but uh, there's there was another uh, a draft pick that that I liked. Um, and Wiseman, yeah, is, is Wiseman going to take a step up? Because I think you can limit uh, Draymond Green and and um, and hope that that you can contain his injury risk by by not having him out on the floor as much with. Otto Porter and Iguodala and Wanciscano Anderson, who is a, as an underrated defender and Kevon Looney and James Wiseman. So they've got pieces that, that they can sort of work in rotation. Um, I think they're, they're deeper than they've been in a long, long time. Uh, probably since, since we've been in. in and the, that helps in the a big part of that comes from two, you know, clay being out for so long, the team and yeah. staff being hurt. You know what I mean? Like they've had to have guys kind of step up and get minutes. So you're right. They, they, they're just – it's just a matter of Clay's not going to be the defensive guy and, and the way he could match up against, you know, LeBron even in certain cases. But any basically the other team's best player. You know, you're yeah. not going to have that. And so but, it, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, if, um, if anyone can figure out those rotations, it's Steve Craig. That's <laughs> true. No that's true. Um, <laughs> and then after that, Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee, I think it got a little bit better in the offseason. They added Grayson mm-hmm. Allen, who – like him or hate him was a really good yeah. member of that Memphis Grizzlies team. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Giannis, I think wants to prove that just because LeBron got hurt and AD got hurt it's, and, and Kevin Durant, you know, wasn't fully Kevin Durant. Like he is the best player in the NBA. He's going to be on that mission. And, uh, and I think Milwaukee is, is going to try to prove some, some people wrong, which is crazy to think because they just won the NBA title. And yet everybody, you know, they have the fifth best odds to our fourth best odds to win the title and they just won the title last year and and they're pretty far behind the top two teams that are ahead of them and then after that i think it drops off phoenix utah the clippers philly denver but i'll tell you what this year feels completely wide open because if i think Mm -hmm. i think the nets can win the title even just with james harden and kd i really do think that and they have a bunch of really good role players that came there patty mills moved to bro you know i mean they have a bunch of like really interesting pieces there and Blake Griffin obviously had a bit of a renaissance at the end of last year and they had some young guys who stepped up and played well um so I think Brooklyn is rightly the favorite to win it all but I'll I'll say this I I think this is anybody's championship Um, yeah and if if you're looking for a super dog I I like like Boston uh, and Miami are the two, and Dallas, I think, too, is in well, that conversation. And Atlanta. so Dallas is the team that I think has a legit chance because I just think Luca, I think Luca to win MVP this year is is a bet. If you if you want to cash in a long term bet, Luca for MVP. I don't know what the odds are off the top of my head, but preseason, put a little sprinkle a little bit down there, and then take your 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 wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband out on a nice little uh, steak dinner come the end of the season because I think there's a Next spring, we might be talking about Luka Doncic as the number one player in the NBA because he he just really is that spectacular. Um, all right, so I think that's all we're going to do right now. I'm going to say this. I'm going to put out a pod, an extra pod this week. I'm going to put an extra pod. It's going to come on Wednesday or Thursday, and we're going to tackle NBA stuff because 
I'm a huge NBA fan and I've been so, so in football mode that I haven't gotten into the preseason as much as possible, but I want to get into some of this a little more in depth. So uh, bear, bear with us here, but I, I'm going to do an extra pod for the people, for the people. It'll be short, maybe like 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, Scotty, if you're around, you can hop on. I'd love to have you, but um going to do a, want to do a little bit NBA uh, season preview pod as the season kicks off this week. Um, all right. That's all we got for you. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back. Again, extra pod this week, just decided. And then we will have our normal Friday pod previewing next week's NFL action. So, Scotty, thank you as always uh, for Scotty. And shout out to our man Vito, the hardest working man in engineering. That's probably true. That's true. We're just going to say it's true. Uh, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, take it easy, everybody.